And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Hello and welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm here with Justin. How are you doing, Jos? Hey, Gav. And Pascal. How are you doing, Pas? Good. How are you doing? Good. good. So, well, this is a, uh, what can we say? Let's hope it's going to be a cathartic episode because it's certainly not one that uh, anyone's looking forward to. So we're here after the shit show against Brighton, um, the weekend where if we didn't know it was gone before, we do now um feel kind of flat really pass has how how are you left feeling this morning it's it's a hard one because as i said to you a few weeks ago i was kind of at peace with where we were and um after the newcastle win yeah there was obviously that little bit where you think ah oh, maybe city will slip up but after city won um 3-0 the other day I think, um, like probably most Arsenal fans, you kind of were thinking that that Brighton game was becoming less and less relevant. Um, and um, I'm not really that. I'm just kind of meh, really. I'm not. I'm not one or the other. I'm. 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 I. We've got second. Uh, we've already talked about our season, so I'm just kind of at, at peace with it, like I was a few weeks ago. It's just disappointing um, to lose by such a big amount. Yeah, I just I feel like it's one of them Saturday nights where you go out and you have a few too many beers and then the shots start coming out, right? And, and you know you're paying $8 a fireball, but you can't really remember quite how many you had, right? Did 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 I buy 10? Did I buy 12? I don't I don't really know. You know it's not going to be good when you see your credit card statement on Monday morning, right? You know it's going to be there. But I just kind of feel like I was expecting 120 bucks and it was 200 bucks on the bill because you know I bought an extra 10 fireballs and I thought just you get what I mean yeah mate uh yeah I I feel a really similar way to pause uh kind of been at peace with it you know for a while um I think it was more the manner of the defeat you know um but uh just a really weird situation for me I mean I, I had the game on and I just I couldn't get into it I I barely wanted to watch it this is still at nil nil too which is it's unlike me, but I, I just, you know, I guess I, uh, you know, I figured City's kind of got this wrapped up and I'm, I am I guess I'm just ready for this great season to be over at this point. Well, it's, it's funny you say that because, and I've seen this argued both, both ways amongst Arsenal fans, but I feel like this performance was a team that knew it was over. I think any hope that was left was actually done before kickoff in this game. I think when City won so easily at Everton, I think a realisation crept in that it was over, right? No matter how much we've been thinking it's been over for weeks, I think there were still some people who thought, well, they've got to go to Everton, they've got to go to Brighton, they've got to go to Brentford on a final day, maybe, just maybe. And I just think when that Gundogan goal went in at Goodison Park, I just something inside of me as someone who thought it was over anyway, just deflated. And I think the players did, did that as well. And I'm not saying they didn't try, but pass, it looked to me like they were missing maybe three or 4%, which at this level is enough. 
that's exactly what I was thinking actually when um when watching the game. I it looked like you know it's all hype in a way. It's all speculation, but it did look like that game um away uh, the city game kind of just took the edge of the whole approach to the game and their perhaps the intensity that they would usually bring because i think with the newcastle game um we saw that um and i guess there was this glimmer of hope that they have some away games and everton you would have thought would be the difficult one out of um those teams um but I think after that result came in, you could you just see it in the performance. It was so lackadaisical. There was no intensity at all. Um, it just looked flat. Um, and I think that kind of is, is representative of how we all felt anyway after that City game. So, yeah, I, 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 I thought exactly the same when watching it. It don't need a big drop off, just does it? At this level, do you know what I mean? These these teams are at such a high level, and they're such a there's such a, a paper thin gap between between these guys. I mean, I know we've got that big gap between us and third, but in reality, if you're off of your game by five percent at this level, it's going to be found out. And I I don't blame the players for this because I think it's natural human emotion to feel deflated at times, and and it just kind of seemed that way. Yeah, you know, and Brighton's a good side too. So yeah, just to just being slightly off, uh, you know, makes a world of difference. And I think, um, <clears throat> you know, Martinelli, who's almost always, you know, kind of a hundred and ten percent player. I thought when he went off early, uh, you know, it, it it got even even worse. You know, a little more uh, just blunt. You know what I mean? So. Um, but I agree. Yeah, it's it's a natural emotion, and and I'm I'm glad the the boys you know carried on this long, um, even though it's not had not been much hope. But but yeah, it definitely showed tonight. Or and, and the thing is, pass like at the end of the day, when we when we look back at this, I think the title was already gone. Like like I said, the 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 draws against Southampton and West Ham are, are absolutely immaterial because I think if we'd have won both of them games and won yesterday i don't think it makes any difference no it, it and i think that that that's why i maybe psychologically there was that feeling going into it um brighton um also have something to play for which is europe uh potential to get into europe um so they they it's understandable where they'd raise their game i think we just looked at it um, and I just think maybe subconsciously, that's probably what you can put it down to because you don't want to say that the players in, intentionally went out there to just play below par. But I think subconsciously it had a massive effect because what City are doing at the moment, I think the writing was on the wall from quite a while back, that they're just looking relentless. Um, and that's in every competition they're in. And it looks like they've just hit that that point of... Um, this feeling of invincibility at exactly the right time. And then it's obviously uh, ourselves. We're just running out of steam completely. So, yeah, I, I, I just feel even even if we had won that game, it was kind of false hope, really, um, especially after the way they just dismantled Everton. It was never close. Like, good. So I didn't watch the game, the Man City-Everton game. I said to you a while back, I wasn't going to watch any. I actually... Uh, I actually went for a walk and then went and got myself an acai bowl. So I was uh, completely taking my mind off that game. I was checking the score every now and again. 
I saw that uh, Im- uh, Moni Imran was actually texting me updates, and he texted me one nil about ten minutes later. It's three nil. So yeah. I, you know, I knew it was. I knew it was done. I knew it was toast at at that point. So I, I just, you know, they they've won. Is it fourteen league games? I think they've won on the spin. They'll piss seventeen league games if that's what they want to do. I think this, to me, this Man City that we're seeing right now, is the best one that. I've ever seen. I think this is better than the hundred point team. I think it just took them a little while to get there. Just yeah, now that they have uh, Erling Holland, you know, incorporated in the team and it's clicking. I mean, they look just you know like a machine. Um, and it's you know it's just bad timing that we're coming up you know against this like powerhouse. You know when we're kind of you know, starting to find our feet as title challengers. Um, But, you know, I mean, fair play to them if they're going to, you know, go on a run like this. And like I said, I mean, I'm glad the the team, you know, pushed as hard as they did and we we pushed them pretty close. But yeah, I mean, it's really hard to compete with somebody like Manchester City. Yeah, I mean, we pushed it all the way into April, May, even, you know, even if we, even if, you know, mid-April was probably the end for us, we still pushed it a lot further than we thought we were going to. We were definitely the only team in the league that was starting to push it like that. So, you know, it happens. I don't think, no one expected us to win it going in. I don't think at any point we really, I mean, maybe there was a couple of weeks where we thought maybe we're favourites in March. Um, But that, that that drifted away pretty quickly really so um onto this game then the starting lineup was the usual starting lineup that we could put out um just no surprises oh uh, no you know uh once we knew Zinchenko was out um I think it was exact exact team we were expecting yeah um maybe some were surprised Jorginho kept his spot instead of party I'm not I think he's done well uh so yeah no surprises there and pass one thing, even even as flat as we were, and you know, with everything that we've said, you you could see how much we were missing Zinchenko out there. We just Kieran Tierney, and I, and I don't want to pile on to Kieran Tierney because this isn't his game, but he had seven touches in that first half, and he had four completed passes. That you just we missed Zinchenko so badly, and for anybody wanting to talk about Zinchenko defensively, this Zinchenko should be replaced for this. That shows you why he won't be. Unless we we find an alternative to Tierney that can at least challenge Zinchenko, which I believe is going to be part of his summer plans, it has to be because uh, Tierney just uh, it, it's just not right for our system at all. Um, and and this is again where the differences be- between us and Man City start to come into the fray because uh, Man City, as you can see, can alternate their defenders all over the bloody place, and it all seems to work. Even pushing some of them into midfield, um, they found a way to utilize their defense um and uh, in a way that that they can they can change the system accordingly we we don't have that luxury and Tierney is one of the old school he's coming from the Emery era so it's not an Arteta signing i i i, I don't see any way how he's going to be here in summer uh, I, I think i think the the one of the big objectives is finding a replacement for um Zinchenko or utilize Tomiyasu but there there definitely has to be someone there to come in for Zinchenko because as you can see Zinchenko is not not the most reliable when it comes to fitness and availability so Tini's just not going to work and you can see that and I think he'll work for another team just not us 
And I think my point on that was less about Tierney and more just about how much we missed Zinchenko. Mm. Just the, um, you know, they've they've got a lot of powerful players. They're a fast team. They they press well. McAllister presses well. Caicedo, I thought, had a great game at right back. It also helps that apparently he's not allowed to be booked. Um, that definitely helped him in the game. But you could see where we just couldn't get hold of the ball. And I think part of, letting them have the ball was part of the plan. We did the same thing at the Amex earlier in the season and it worked. And it's not like we didn't turn them over and we didn't have chances because in that first half, we could have been 3-0 up at half time, even though we didn't play very well. But we had no control, did we? No, never. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I think it was tactical. We were we were not pressing them uh, really high. Um, but yeah, we never really got a, a, a good foothold as far as control goes. Um, I think some of the chances in the first half, you know, we looked you know, maybe the side more likely to score, but um, yeah, it just, it never felt like uh, we had control of the game at all. And, uh, and yeah, you said, it. I mean, Brighton's got uh, a lot of good players. I mean, they, they just seem to be a, a regular, uh, you know, football factory. They've got, you know, that, that um, Estupion and uh, the, the winger, what was the name? In, uh, in, in CISO. In CISO. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. Just kind of, coming out of the woodwork and, and being really good players, Matoma. Um, so yeah, we struggled to get control and, and I mean, it showed, and, and I think Zinchenko being out's a big part of that, um, you know, but uh, again, they, they showed up to play and I, I think we were, we were lagging behind there. We were, but pass, we, like I said, we did have some chances in that first half, right? We had the Trossard one that took the deflection and clipped the top of the bar. We had the Saka, uh, volley that went just wide of the post. Odegaard lined one up from distance that that wasn't far away. So we did have plenty of chances. I mean, and we had a couple where we turned over the ball from Steele trying to pass out from the back a few times. It's not like we didn't catch them. We did. The ball just didn't go in. No, no. First half wasn't wasn't awful. Um, I mean, it was nil nil at half time, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't really a lot of the. Um, criticism the team's got or Arteta's um, fury is more with the second half. So first half, yeah, we did. It was kind of like any of those first halves that we've seen, barring the fact that we weren't losing, but like Bournemouth, Southampton, in the sense that we, we well, actually Southampton, we were losing, sorry. But um, Bournemouth, I think we, we also were as well. But I thought our performance in the first half was kind of like we had chances, but we just weren't. Um, we weren't really putting our foot on the game. And I think with uh, with what we were seeing was that Brighton were coming more and more into the game and getting more comfortable with the fact that we weren't really imposing ourselves. But definitely first half, we did have a few. I think the Trossard chance was a good one. I, interestingly enough, I think if Trossard had scored that goal, it would have been quite fascinating to see if Brighton would have got back into that game. Um, but... Um, uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't think the first half in any way was a, a terrible performance. We've seen it quite a bit, a few times this year, where our first half's performance has been a little bit, you know, it's not been um, out of this world, but it hasn't been, uh, you know, catastrophic. Um, but it was just more, yeah, we, which we'll get onto the second half where where all the problems came. Well, it was a bit of a strange game too, because Juz, I mean, I think most people turned on expecting to see a, a, a classic, some short passing, quick moving, high pressing. And what they got was a really broken up game with some challenges and some fouls. The ref didn't clamp down early on. Martinelli should have had a booking. 
within about five minutes for jumping into Mitoma. Then a couple of minutes later, you know, it was Caicedo chopping him down from behind, which I, 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 for the life of me, I can't understand how that's not a booking. But with a ref not doing that, I think it allowed that to continue. And I thought both sides were doing it. I don't think it was just Brighton. I think both sides were breaking up the game uh, an awful lot. And it stopped any flow getting into it. Yeah, it was exactly that. Um, <clears throat> it just a, a lot of broken up play, and it it made it really difficult for uh, for either team to really get momentum. I think it was down to, um, you know, just a few kind of individual moves where where a lot of the attack came from. I know Odegaard had a couple good passes. Uh, uh, Mitoma, uh, you know, had been wide on toast two or three times too. Uh, but but yeah, just a very disjointed team performance, kind of kind of from both of them. And it's interesting the point you make there, Juz, about Ben White, because I thought him and Trossard on the day had possibly their worst games that they've had for us. I mean, don't get me wrong, there were a lot of bad performances out there, but those two especially were really, really poor. I I didn't even know Trossard was capable of playing that badly. Do you think the occasion got to him a little bit? Yeah, sorry. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. Kind of kind of odd that, you know, they're they're going up against their former club and uh, and they both underperformed like that i mean yeah ben white was really shaky and i mean i know trossard had probably the the best our best chance of the first half but yeah he he was a bit of a mess i'm curious do you do you think um oh never mind he he went to the left eight in the second half didn't he sorry yeah we'll talk about that disaster in a second and why that should end any talk of him ever playing left eight (laughs) um but um, but Paz, he, he did get a bit of a dodgy reception from the Brighton fans, right? I mean, he was being booed every time he touched the ball. I don't think they were particularly pleased about the way he left there. And it did seem to affect him. Yeah, it could have. I mean, and, and if it did, it's a bit strange because we were at home. So he should be able to stifle out any form of boos that come his way. I think it would be far more intimidating if we played them away. But yeah, he just wasn't at the races. He just didn't seem... Um, didn't seem the player that we've been seeing in previous games. Um, so, you know, and Martinelli has been such good form for us that, uh, of course, any, any loss of Martinelli is going to have, is going to, you're going to see it. Um, but, um, if it did have an effect on it, then, you know, it, it definitely showed, it showed in the, in the way that he played in the way that he was, and sometimes over over touching the ball, not really seeing the runs. Um, yeah, he wasn't his usual self, that's for sure. No, he wasn't. I think he was trying too hard is kind of what it seemed to me. He was taking that extra touch, trying to beat that extra man. Even with the shot, I think he tried to give it a bit more welly than he than he really needed to, which resulted in it, it flying over the bar. By the way, I think it took two deflections. I think it took a deflection off the defender's boot and still got a touch. And uh, they still got a goal kick out of it. But it was, um, yeah, it was just, it was just one of them, one of them days. I think, and at, at half time, like I said, I already felt that it was a bit. Def- the players were a bit demoralised and a bit deflated. And we come out in the second half, it it didn't start well, and and then they get the goal. You know, Mitoma twists Ben White in and out for about the fifteenth time. Um, there's there's talk of a foul in there where where I think it was was it Nciso that steps on the the back of Ben White's of um, Kivior's boot and it come off was it Jorginho's boot I think it might have been Jorginho no, it was it was Kivior, was Kivior wasn't it? it was Kivior yeah. steps on the back of his boot and his boot come off and then rather than carry on playing he went down hoping the ref was going to give a free kick which didn't come and 
I mean, even hoping for VAR to save you there, Jazz. I don't think there was really anything in that. No, I didn't. I didn't particularly care for that either. I I don't want to you know pile on on Kivior, but um, uh, yeah, he just stopped and 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 hoped you know that it was all going to work out. And um, you know the his man is the one that got up for the header. Uh, yeah, I just you know I think he he should have done better there. Um. Well, we, we said last week, right, that, that some of the hyper rank Evior in them two games had been over the top, right? Like, like I think he'd been fine, um, but we, he, he also hadn't really been tested too much. I think he got tested, he got tested at the weekend, and I don't think he responded particularly well. No, yeah, uh, agreed. Um, yeah, this was definitely his hardest test and his, his worst performance since coming in. But again, I mean, I don't want to give him too much of a hard time because the whole team, you know, it was a pretty poor team performance all around. I just didn't really like the, you know, just the stop and play. Um, I feel like that happens to us. Remember the the party in the North London Derby too? You know, it's just... Uh, yeah, I mean, what what were we all told playing as kids, right? You play yeah, to the whistle. Play to the whistle. Right, right, you play to the whistle. That is the, every coach you've ever had has screamed that in your face from when you were five years old. Play yeah. to the whistle, play to the whistle. You got to do that, and and if you don't at that level, and you get caught out, you you know it's your fault. There's there's no two ways about it. Yep. Well, then we come on to the first of baffling Mikel Arteta decisions on the day, and I don't know if it got to Arteta in the same way as he got to the players. I don't know if Arteta was just angry at what he was watching on the field and was trying to do anything. He could to kind of get a spark and a reaction. But Paz, taking off Granite Xhaka and Jorginho and putting on Partey and who else did he put on with that first sub? It wasn't Smith-Rowe because Smith-Rowe came on. Oh, it was Nelson. Well, later, it was Nelson. Nelson. Yeah, it was Nelson. Nelson. Yeah. So putting them two off and then moving Trossard into the left eight on the hour. Um was that just Arteta trying to trying to shake it up? Because I, I mean, to me, I don't see any logic behind that that sub. I thought his subs were were really bad on the day, um, but this one completely baffled me. It's difficult to explain. I, I, I can kind of get it if it's one of those midfielders, more likely Jorginho, but uh, I, I can't understand why you take two out. Um, it, it seems to me that he's desperate in some respects to get one of these players to perform in in uh, a position that would suit us uh, as a replacement for Shaka or um, not so much Jorginho because you've got party, but he, he's kind of desperate for one of the players to to shine in that position. You know, we've seen it with Fabio Vieira when he used to play him in that A. Now he's maybe hoping Trossard can do it. But it's just not working. Those players don't work. They don't. It it it, it doesn't seem to help with our balance. Um, it it seems to make it worse. Um, so yeah, it was it was a strange one, especially just taking both of them off. That's what I found odd because he's never really done that before. So it, maybe it's just something for him to hope that there's going to be some miraculous. Um, performance by someone who doesn't regularly play in Shaka's role or it, it, or it or it's just desperation uh try something different um but uh I I can't see him ever doing that again no I just I, I just thought it might just be trying to shock one or two of them into into up in their level do you know what I mean I think it was flat I think we could see it was flat and if we could see it was flat then so could he what I don't know is is if it was if it was done 
just to GM up or if it was done to actually send a, a real message. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it 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 could be yeah, it could be a, a bit of both. I'm not. I I I just it, it really did feel like an end of season match. It felt like the last game of the season. Just really, it it could be him trying to test things. Um, he's already probably got his mind up for summer on on who's gonna be who who's gonna be out or who's potentially teetering on going out of the team or being sold. I don't know, and maybe he's thinking ahead in that respect, but. I guess this trial and error for sure was a big error. Um, so I, 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 I can't, I, it, it was just, it was like you said, it was one of a few baffling decisions that he made. And Jazz, I think like we kind of, or I alluded to earlier on, um, this experiment of Trossard in the left eight, to me, this shows you why it cannot work. It is not. When we did it against Southampton, we didn't bring him on in the left eight. He was just nominally standing there at some points in the game. At that point, we were 3-1 down and we were just desperate to get something back. That was a very different scenario. He's just not a central midfield player. Uh, Yeah, 100%. The game states were completely different. I mean, he basically was just a... An extra attacker standing around the the you know the eighteen when we brought him on to get Southampton, we had complete control of the ball. Um, this was a, a totally different situation, and and yeah, it it didn't work well. Um, I think you know with with Jaka, um, you know it was just alluded to that that he brings us so much more like balance and control that you miss out on 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 Trossard, Fabio Vieira, even Smith Rowe, and um. Yeah, just just absolutely baffling decisions though from Arteta. I I don't know if he was um, let the emotion get the better of him today, but I mean he made almost all his subs were were shocking and and yeah, I don't I don't think we'll see Trossard in that that left eight again. <clears throat> I hope we don't. I, I really do hope we don't. And we lost control of the game completely at that point if we were ever even in it before that. But but after that we were we were never in it at all. And then on 80 minutes comes the final two subs. And these are possibly even more confusing than the last two. So he takes off Martin Odegaard, which we've already discussed, should probably be 60 days in jail, minimum sentence. He brings off Jesus. He brings on Eddie Nketiah, who I think last scored against Manchester United at the end of January. Yeah. He brings on Emil Smith-Rowe, who's played about 15 minutes the whole season. Uh, Pass. What's he? What's he trying to do in his mind? What is the best scenario that can come from those subs? It. It. It just. The only explanation I can have is just desperation again. It's. It's. It's more desperate than the one before. So as the the game progressed, it got worse for us um, because we weren't really creating much. We weren't really threatening much. So he got more desperate and therefore um, was making kind of I, I don't understand the, I, we've already spoken about it. it makes no sense taking Odegaard off I don't know who is an equivalent to Odegaard in that team you can maybe say Smith Rowe but really there isn't anyone with his insight skill awareness even 50% below what he can do he can still do something so I don't get it what are you saving him for there's there's no other games we're playing so I don't know why he does that um as for Eddie Nketiah, I don't, he's not an alternative to Jesus as far as I'm concerned. He's a worse alternative to Jesus. And again, I mean, I 
don't want to go hard on Eddie Nketiah per se, but I'm talking about how we're looking to play. Eddie Nketiah did a job for us when we needed him, but, you know, let's be honest, it was only up to a certain point he could do that job. A bit like holding on occasions that can come in and do something for an odd few games, but I don't know if he's not someone, it was really Trossard signing that kind of helped us continue a little bit of momentum. So Eddie Nketiah is another one. I I, I don't know what he's going to bring or what he's going to do that Jesus can't do or what is he going to bring that's different. If you're bringing in, you know, a, a big center forward, uh, someone who's physically different to Jesus or brings a different dimension to the game, like an Isaac or someone like that, I get it. But I don't know what Eddie Nketiah is going to do that Jesus can't do. And in fact, it's probably worse. So that didn't make any sense. Smith Rowe, that's definitely desperation because he won't put Smith Rowe on when he's available and um, it looks like he's going to be the likely sub. So it just looked like that that was just, oh, you go out, you go and see what you can do in 10 minutes. It, it Very, very odd. But it also speaks perhaps to what we're going to talk about later on, the need for reinforcements and the need for a shake-up in that squad. Jazz, it almost felt to me like he was throwing in the white towel at that point. Because, I, like I said, and, and like Pass just eloquated, I, I don't see any way that those subs can help. I just don't. I mean, and I don't just mean the last two. I mean all four of them. There is no world in which you are better after making those four subs. So to me, it was almost almost like he threw in the towel. Yeah, all four were were pretty shocking. I mean, <clears throat> there was a time, you know, last season where, uh, you know, Smith Rowe coming in as, as a, a later sub, you know, I could see maybe him making a difference, but he's barely played. He's not match fit. He's not sharp. Um, I, I just, yeah, it, it was basically a Hail Mary. He threw a Hail Mary in it and it, it failed. And like I said, I don't, I don't know if this was too much emotion or something, you know, Arteta was caught up in the moment, finally seeing the title officially slip away, but you know, we've been critical of his substitutions before and I think rightly so. Um, but man, this is the most egregious example I think of, of just, you know, throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. And it, it did feel a little bit like a, like a, a give up, like a white towel. So it, it's something that, that he definitely needs to um, improve on going forward. Yeah, it's something he's he's got to look at because this is his subs have been poor all season, like really poor. I don't I don't think there's any I don't think there's any any two ways about it. His subs have been his subs have been poor pretty much from the beginning, and he had some interesting things to say after the game. And again, I'm thinking that it's just kind of his emotions getting the better of him when he's talking about losing jewels. He's he's talking about the players not rising to the occasion. Uh, he's talking about not accepting it and things needing to change. Uh, Pass, did, did it just seem to you like a manager that basically had, had lost his rag on the day? Yeah, it seemed like sound bites. It's just cliche terms that all managers live, like take each game as it comes. And I, I think he, he didn't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I think some of the some of the key um, references that he made actually was about, um, I can't, I, I have to go back to it, but he's basically alluding to reinforcements in summer because he's basically, he, he, he was saying that it was, um, that they did not turn up, but it looks like, that this was 
what I have and I, I I have to find the exact phrasing of it and I'll get back to you on it but it it was alluding to something like that and it kind of gives you the idea that there's definitely going to be a lot of turnaround uh, turnaround in summertime when it comes to the reinforcement side of things um but uh yeah it, it, I I wouldn't read I didn't read much, too much into what he said after the game I I just think it was a lot of frustration I'm sure he was pissed off and I'm sure there's um, a lot of now thought. There's a lot of um, thoughts going on about what to do in summer and how to how to reinforce this squad. Has to be, has to be for sure. And last word on this, Jazz. Um, I thought Brighton were Brighton were really good on the day. Um, I don't think we made the most of uh, the most of our chances and the most of, of the chances they gave us. But I thought they were brave. They went man to man. I thought Caicedo. And McAllister and Matoma in particular, I thought were uh, were absolutely superb on the day. I thought they were very good. I mean, they were they were fully. I think three 0 flattered them a little bit, to be quite honest with you. Just not necessarily because of the game, but because of the way the chances went. I thought three 0 flattered them a little bit. But you got to hold your hands up and say fair play. They came for the win. They got the win. And at the end of the day, they're now above Spurs. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were great. Um... You know, to to come to the Emirates and 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 put three past the team that you know spent two hundred and forty some days in first. You know, uh, really good result. They have a lot of really good players. Um, I like the way they play. I think their manager is very respectful. Um, so you know, no, you know, no hate towards Brighton or anything. Uh, and you know, I'm glad to see him above Tottenham. Yeah, silver linings, silver linings <laughs> pass because now it means that uh, the likelihood is the Spurs are going to be playing in the uh, Europa Conference League, which I think is something that everyone wants to see. It's wonderful, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, a trophy that they still won't be able to win and uh, is a real downgrade. Uh, there's no form of delight being in that that Conference League unless you're obviously in the lower leagues of, of the Premier League, which is maybe where they want to be. I don't know, but... Yeah, it, it 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 to be honest, if you look at uh, the way Brighton have played and the way they've generally been this season, they deserve to be ahead of Spurs. Spurs have been horrible to watch. They've been um they've really been, you know, considering they had the best summer ever transfer-wise, they've just been, you know, appalling, really. Uh so yeah, I, I it, that was the silver lining in this. And look, just going back to what I just said, so he said it was a question about how low do you feel? And he said, I don't know if the team is able to do that. It's something to have to address. You have to do a lot of good things, incredible things to be second in the league, in this league. And we've done that. But if the team can show that face as well, there are things that have to be addressed. It was that part that kind of resonated with me, the things that have to be addressed. For me, that sounds like a lot of moving in summertime. It does, but it also to me sounds like a manager who's just really, really, really ticked Hacked off, off. Of what he's just watched. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I think there's a chance that that's a throwaway, Jazz. Yeah, probably. I, I took it as as being, uh, you know, upset and emotional after the game um, because you know he he he's not normally one to. Uh, I know we didn't throw any one player under the bus, but he's not really one to like blame his team usually, even after some poor results. He's yeah. not, but you know, you've got to remember that I think one of his non-negotiables um, <laughs> was was basically the fact that we're always going to give 100% effort. And I just thought the effort may have been at 98%. Yeah, that, that's fair. Yeah, and I would agree with that. 
Um, but going back to what uh, Paz said too, I believe it was reported. Didn't he meet with Josh yesterday after the game too? So um, that's pretty Josh Cranky. I think that's kind of interesting that. Oh, I'm sure the plans are already are already underway, and we'll we'll touch on some little bits in the second half that maybe we haven't we haven't touched on before. Um, but I'm sure the plans are already underway. We we know that we've got to. Um, an interesting stat, which we'll come back to again in the second half. But if you look at the amount of changes um, in the team, we have actually had the least changes in the entire yep. league. Now, someone said, "Well, that's why we've that's why we finished behind Man City because we made less changes." Well, we also made less changes than everyone else and finished above eighteen of them. So, I think you have to have a little bit of perspective. Um, I think the problem really and the reason we made so few changes is just because we didn't have the alternatives to bring in. Everyone's screaming about rotation are the first ones to scream when someone like Rob Holding comes in or yep. when Tierney comes in and has seven touches in a half, you know, and, and, and the same people who scream about not rotating are screaming about them being in the side, but you can't have it both ways. So with the squad we've got, we had to make so few changes. But let's touch on that in the second half. Um, guys, thanks a lot for uh, going over the game. I really wanted to do that. It was uh, it was like eating a massive shit sandwich. So thanks <laughs> for that. Um, so we'll be back after back in the second half and we'll, we'll look to put this. We'll look to put this right. See you in the second half. Hey, guys, just a couple of quick halftime announcements. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience, and we thank you for your support. Also, don't forget to check out our socials. We are The NN Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We try and put out some cool content, so give us a like or a follow and help us build our Guna community. Welcome back to the Non-Negotiables podcast. This is part two. So, lads, I wanted to start this off here because I think this is a, a good jumping-off point. Um, if we consider our first eleven is Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Partey, Xhaka, Erdegaard, Saka, Martinelli, Jesus. That's that's our first eleven, right? We're, we're pretty much all in agreement on that. So, how many and who of those do you think we're going to see on the bench? come October. Not asking you to tell me who's coming in to replace them, but out of that starting 11, how many of them will be replaced as regular starting players by October? Pass. Uh, <laughs> it's a hard one, isn't it? I would say for sure, but my opinion, party, I think will be replaced. Um, so be on the on the bench. Uh, possibly, I think this is kind of um, I, I, Martinelli Saka. No way, Saliba. No way, unless he doesn't sign the contract. Um, who's there? there? Ben White. No, Zinchenko. No. Um, maybe Jesus. Maybe um, if we were to find an alternative striker to bring us something different, and he impresses for some reason and scores a few goals. Maybe by October, Jesus could be on the bench. That's the only two I would say. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with Paz on uh, party for sure. <clears throat> and then I obviously I think the the club wants to do something with Xhaka. Now maybe that's because Xhaka's 
angling for a move or whatever. I hope he stays, but I think it's obvious the club wants mm. to do something else there. Um, you know, just whatever the situation is. So those two, and I, I could also, I could see where Paz is coming from with Jesus as well. Um, I think it's, it's actually, uh, I like the player a lot. I think it is an area that we could upgrade though with, with the right player. It's funny you guys have said that because I wasn't expecting it. And my three, uh, I, I do think it's going to be three. And I think it's going to be Partey, Xhaka and Jesus. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I really wasn't I really wasn't expecting you to go Xhaka's there. Xhaka's a good one. I forgot about him, actually. Yeah, well, one. I didn't I think anyone was going to go there with Jesus. But I mean, I, I said to you guys before we signed him in the summer that my opinion is that I thought he was going to be a good player for us, a very good player for us and was going to improve us immeasurably but he was going to be a bit like Giroud in that we were going to spend every summer he's here trying to upgrade on him. And I think Jesus has been, has been fantastic for us. I really do. I think he's been absolutely great. I'm just not sure, like Pep wasn't sure, that he's the number nine for a title winning side. Do you know what I mean? And And the versatility allows you, he's a bit, he could be a bit like, not the same player, but the same sort of Swiss army knife type as Trossard is where you can bring him in anywhere along that front line. So if you were to go bollocks out and bring in a real top center forward, now let's, let's just, I'm just throwing a random name out there. I'm not saying we're going to sign him, but let's say you went and got someone like a Victor Seaman and he started up top for you. Jesus could come in up front. He could come in on either side. I think he'd be better on the right than, and Trossard is on the right. So I think he'd actually be a better alternative to Saka than Trossard. And I do think that that's a, that's a distinct possibility that we might do that pass. Yeah. And, and a great point on Saka, because that, that actually was one now, now when you mentioned it, that, that of course, uh, number eight, um, I, I I do see it somehow. Now what, what, what could happen is, is that he starts as the regular number nine, but we either bring someone in um, now, Justin and and Justin probably will be good on this one. But and and you as well, Gab. But you know we could talk about this later. But Balogun, can he be a, uh, someone who's different to Jesus in terms of giving us a different option? Is that a possibility, or are we looking at a totally new type of player that can a bit more robust, um, one that's you know can. Uh, put himself about a bit, but also score goals. Um, uh, you know, what are we looking at now? That person could, you mentioned October, August, September, you got Champions League. This person could wiggle themselves into a starting 11 by that point. So I, I do think that's an area which we're going to definitely look at. I think Jesus was what we could attain being in the Europa. And it was what we could attain with the relationship with Man City. But now we're looking at a totally different pool of players. Yeah, I would say that's I would say that's exactly right. Um, someone, I mean, I think Osiman or Osiman, however you pronounce his name, I think that's probably a pipe dream. I, I don't, I don't yeah. see any way we could get him. But there's um, Rasmus Hoyland from um, from Atalanta that's going to be very sought after. He's young, he's reasonably mobile, he's six foot three. I think that's the sort of player that could maybe come in and come in and play that role. I do. I still think Caicedo and Rice is probably too much. So I think it's probably going to be one of them and someone else, which is why I think maybe if he'll stay, we may see one more year of Xhaka. 
Um, but I agree with you. I think I think Partey is done in this team as a first eleven. I, I honestly, I, I don't think you know. I've always had questions about Partey. I've always had questions about his athleticism. I, I don't think he's strong enough for that role. He can, he's never lasted more than seventy minutes ever. Um, and I just I think we're going to need someone someone different there for sure. Just in terms of the outlay, how far do you think we'll push it in the summer? I could see us spending a lot of money uh, this summer. I think um, it would, sorry, I'll give you a number. Maybe I could see us like pushing it out to like 250, 300 million maybe. And what I'm thinking is, you know, we've spent a lot the past few years and now we've got that champions league money. Now we actually have sellable assets that we've not had. in I don't know how long. Mm-hmm. So I could really see us, spending a lot of money and, and we're, we're coming off of a, a a season that we are finishing second we push city all the way to the end we spent most of the season in first and i think you know the crankies and their their other sports franchises have got a taste for winning with the rams and um the nuggets of the uh the, western yep. conference one seed yeah i believe mm-hmm. the avalanche did quite good too though i'm not much of an nhl fan um uh, so yeah, I could see them really going for it next year and 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 you know, especially with, you know, United is still rebuilding. Chelsea could take a while. Spurs look like they're going to be down and you probably only have a couple more seasons before Newcastle's race basically like City. So I could I could yeah, I could definitely see this summer being a huge one and we go we go, you know, balls out for for next year. And just on Pascal's point, um what do you see with Balogun, do you think there's any chance that Balogun can come in and step in, or do you think that he's that he's gone? Basically, I think he's gone. I do. Yeah, mm. I don't. I, I I like the player a lot, and I think he's just had a really respectable season, uh, a great season. Um, I don't think he's different enough, and I don't think he. I mean, he's he's probably a better finisher than Jesus, but I mean, you know, that's basing, you know, just this last season, uh, you know, with Balogun's in, in Liga. But yeah, I, I just, I think what he's asking for, you know, consistent playing time, and, and I just don't see it. And we'll, we'll, we'll cash in, I think. I agree. I, I, I don't see any of the lone players coming back and um, playing a part, to be quite honest with you. We, we know Patino's going to be, going to be off. I think Nuno Tavares will be off. I think Pepe, we're going to have to subsidise a loan again because there ain't nobody going to pay for him. I think Sambi will be, I think Sambi will be off. Um, Pats, do you see any of them coming back and making an impact? Mm, No. Um, There's also, did you mention Tavares? Yeah, yeah, Uh, I said Tavares. I I think he's going to be sold, right? Yeah, I I can't. He's, I think he's more suited for a back three anyway. He's that kind of... uh, uh, wing back. Um, so yeah, he he'd be off. Um, Balogun probably was the only one that I could say would be closer to the uh, to the first team than any of the others. But I think, as Justin said, if we get the right offer for him and we don't really see him as that viable alternative to Jesus, then uh, it's better to cash in. You know, we're, we're definitely in a much better place. I, I can't see any of those players, to be honest, coming in there. No, and, and that's exactly it, Pass. I mean, we we loaned out these players when we were a Europa League team. Mm. It's not, you know, we're a Champions League team now. They're not coming back no. and playing, are they? No, 
No, and and I think we're in a much better position because of where we finished in the league now. You know, it goes without saying that, uh, yeah, you, you can say scouting or whatever, but Liverpool sold some of their youth players. Uh, uh, what was the one that went to Sheffield uh, United? Ryan Rooster. Yeah. yeah, like 23 million or something like that. When they I, got, mean, I think they got nearly 30 million, didn't they, for Dominic Solanke, who is probably the worst player I've, I've seen <laughs> in the Premier League. Well, he's <laughs> at least he does at least something for Bournemouth. I mean, Brewster, 23, and I don't even know where he is now. Um, but But that was good business. And I think it helped by the fact that Liverpool were doing well at that time. They're, um, they were in the Champions League. They were challenging for the league. They were up there. That was their, their moments. Um, so I think that will help us as well, that we, we've we now finished second. So the demand for some of our fringe players will be a lot more, um, a lot at a more higher premium than it was when we were languishing in mid-table and we had like Mustafi and Kalasanac. Well, and that's the thing, just our players had that stink on them, right? Like there was, there was just something where you you went to Arsenal and no one went to Arsenal at that point and got better. It was the opposite of the late nineties. You went to Arsenal and there was a tax because you'd been to Arsenal. No one wanted to touch you. Um, we should be in the opposite position of that now, right? Where people look at this, you look at it and you think, well, you know, I understand he can't get in that team, but but look at the team. Yeah, exactly. And that's going to be, you know, really big for us, I think. You know, you can't get into the eighth place team. You know, nobody wants you, but you can't get into a title contender. That's that's a totally different, you know, a totally different ball game. So, uh, yeah, our, our position in the table and, and, you know, how we did this season, I think is, um, I mean, it can only be good for for our players. And I still think the loans, you know, it's really smart. It, it's like a, a an insurance policy almost. You know, if we let's say, you know, God forbid we we ended up uh, missing out on Champions League again this year or whatever, we'd have all these players to maybe come back and be integrated. But now we've kind of leveled up past these guys and we can sell them all for 30, 40 million, you know. So, I mean, it, a really a perfect situation. Yeah, that's the aim. And Pash, you, uh, I never got to you with this question. What are you thinking for how much we'll spend in the summer? Are you, uh, and Jussie's, Jussie's right where I think we'll be too. I can see us going to 250. 300 million with the incomings and with the fact that we've got Champions League money coming in and just the fact of it's so close yet it's so far do you know what I mean we're close enough to make it worth pushing the boat out for but we're far enough away that it's got to be a significant push (laughs) would you say 300 um and that's taking away what we can sell yeah exactly so So let's say we brought in 80 million and we spent 250 then you know it's, it's 170 you know that kind of, and you know me. I hate mm. net spend. I think it's the fakest number. In yeah, football. but but that's kind of. I'm kind of where Juzzy's. I think this. I think we're going to smash every record we've got this summer. I I would think so. I would think so. I think um, there's there's a few reasons why that looks like it will be the case. First, we've challenged for the league this season. Uh, secondly, we've got probably one of the most sought after young managers in the world at the moment. So you want to placate that. You don't want to make him upset. Uh, gone are the days of Arsene Wenger, where he really had kind of a monopoly on Arsenal and had a big say in our financial spending and and you know and maybe and elements of um, being frugal, etc. Not that we were, but there was that kind of reputation, and he had a lot of say on what we were buying. We've kind of got that all structured now um, with their do there. He has a good relationship with Arteta. 
I, I agree. I think if we if we've spent what we've spent over the last two seasons, and that's that's just getting us into the Champions League now, being in it, having a taste of challenging for the league, you know, we're going to have the upper echelons of the best players out there. Basically, we're going to have a pick. There's going to be obviously competition. There always is, but we are now going to have players who really legitimately want to come to us and they're at the top tier. So, yeah, if you think of just Rice alone, you know, we're talking over 100 million potentially. Uh, Caicedo, potentially the same. Um, I don't know if there's a uh, release clause or whatever, but, you know, they rejected 80 or 75. Um, so that alone is going to be, what, one third of what we're thinking they'll spend. So, yeah, absolutely. They're going to be... that. I, I would think they're going to be looking not only for improving that first team, but massively improving that squad. Well, just by improving the first team, you improve the squad. I mean, this is this is my mm. whole thing, right? This is the mantra. This is the drum that I bang constantly. What you do is you buy players that are going to get into your first 11 and the team that the players that are in the first 11 then become your backups. I, you know, how happy would Correct. you be if your backup was Jesus and your backup is Granite Xhaka? Do you know what I mean? Like then all of a sudden that puts a different spin on it to when it's Eddie and Ketia and we're trying to repurpose Fabio Vieira. You know, it and puts this, a different spin on it. This is what Man City have done well. And yeah, we know also they've got the fact of deep pockets and limitless cash. But if you look at it, Haaland can be out. Yeah, Haaland's a goal machine, but you have him out. They won the league without Haaland last season. Yes, they didn't win the Champions League, but they won the league without. They've now got Alvarez. And Alvarez is a totally different option. He's um, someone who's more it, more part of the team game, not just a, a, a poacher. So that's kind of what we're what are what we're aiming for. Whether we get close to that is going to be really tough. But you can see Gundogan is not always a regular in the team when he comes in. Mares, uh, Laporte hardly plays, but yet I'll take him in our team. Um, so. You know, it, it, it's um, it, it, that's I think what Arteta's got in mind. I'm pretty sure. And Jaz Pass said there that he's he, you know, he thinks we're going to blow past our record transfer, seventy two million. I agree with Paz. I think we're going to see a hundred million plus player coming mm. this summer, no matter who it is. Are you you thinking along them lines as well? Yeah, I am. I I have a feeling we're we're gonna pay what it takes to get Rice. Like, uh, you know, and I don't want to make this out like a rice transfer, but I just, um, you know, there's so much smoke there. And I, I just think he, he really seems like he would be a perfect fit. I think we'll, we'll buy him pretty much no matter what the price is. Um, I could see that being the record. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, whether it's Caicedo or, or Zuba Mendy, who's got a, a release clause, you know, I, I mean, in central midfield alone, I think we'll be looking at, you know, 150, 180 million, um, but I think that's smart. I think that's really what we what we have to address. I think that's a bit of where we we've fallen apart a little bit this season. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be a big spending summer. <laughs> yeah, and I am hoping that it's that it's two midfielders too. And and you know me, I I, I love Granite Xhaka. It's not that I want to see Granite Xhaka go. Um, you know, I, I I I fret every time he's not on the team sheet. But I I do think that. At 30 years old, there's some rumours that his wife wants to move to Germany. I mean, if he'll be lonely, I'll move to England and move in with Granite. I've got no no problem moving. Well, actually, I don't want to move back to England, but I'll come over and visit. Um, but it's, you know, uh, if if he is going to if he is gonna leave, then, I mean, it has to be. It has to be. But even if he's not, I think the planning stage just has to happen now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
you know, I've come around completely on Jaka. I, I love the player. Um, I've mentioned he's kind of like a, a, a load-bearing player. I've said that before. Uh, but I think it's it's important that the team moves past their reliance on Jaka as well. Um, you know, nothing to do with him as a player, but we are a completely different team when Jaka plays and when he doesn't. It's like we we forget or, you know, he does so much, just his presence on the field. or So, so I'd really like to see us just move past our reliance with it, with him. And if he could stay, you know, that's great. Um, you know, I also think he's earned the right to be able to leave now if he wants to, though. I think we should respect those wishes. Um, but, but yeah, I, I'd love to see us, you know, not be so reliant on Granit Xhaka as well. Yeah, I think we, we have to. There's there's no two ways about it. We we have to. It's somewhere we need to. And I think that, you know, we, we've talked about the departures before and, and Holding, I think, is as good as gone. I think Tierney's gone. I, I, I still... I don't think we can sell Partey. I just don't think it's possible to sell him. Um, so I think he's going to be there and Jorginho is going to be there. But I still think we're going to buy someone to be first choice in that position there. Granite maybe stays, maybe goes. I, I, I've just got a feeling that Emil Smith-Rowe is, is, is going to be gone. Let's, let's do a little bit of that. Paz, you haven't really had your say too much on, uh, on Emil Smith-Rowe, but does he have to play significant minutes in these last two games? for you to think he's got any future beyond the summer. Like like these last two games are basically friendlies, right? At this point. So if Mikel doesn't want to see him and doesn't want to see what he's got in these last two games, does that mean his mind's made up? One or two things is that. And if he does play, he excels as well. So he Mikel could pick him for the next two games, but we don't see much from him. He's quiet. He's not in the game and he gets subbed. Uh, pretty early on, that would also make my my thought make my thinking more that he's off. So it's both um, in playing but not playing well or not doing much, and Mikel starting him. Um, if both of those don't happen, like if he's not starting or if he does start and does not perform, then I, I think he's gone. I think we're going to cash in. Um, we we signed his contract. He signed a new contract a few years back. Um, he's going to be sought after being English. Um, we know that he can perform in the Premier League. I, I just can't see a way back for him, honestly. Um, and I think his the fact that he is quite injury prone as well would be in the back of their mind. So I, I would probably see it would be the last of him if, uh, unless a miraculous performance happens over the next two games and he's picked. Jazz, I know you love ESR. Um, I love ESR too. I, I really don't want to see him go, but I, I mean, I'm with Paz. I do think he's probably going to go. Um, do you think it's a case of him needing a move as much as us ready to move on from him? Like, do you, do you think even if he stayed next year, personally, I don't see where he's getting minutes from in this, in this team at any point. Does he need to go for his own sake? Um. So I'm, I I am probably a, a little bit biased on this. He's he's one of my favorite players. I like ESR a lot. I don't think he's on the way out. I think there is um, just just listening to the way it's it almost feels like when Mikel talks about him that he is trying to uh, challenge Smith Rowe a little bit to step up. But just from like a club standpoint, 
I think it'd be a big mistake. I think he's on, you know, his value is going to be about as low as it could be coming off a year not playing. I mean, Smith Rowe could be a 70, 80 million pound player, but he surely is not going to be that this summer. We'd probably get 40, maybe even less. I also think when it comes to the injury proneness, uh, you know, let's not forget the the operation that he had fixed what had been ailing him for the two seasons. Well, going all the way back to the Leipzig loan. So we've not even really seen a fit in firing ESR. I think um, his versatility, being able to play left eight, 10, and left wing is huge for the club. And let's not forget Trossard will already be going, you know, 29, which I know isn't old or anything, but I think we've got a huge, huge value player in Smith Rowe, and it'd be a big mistake to let him go this summer. Um, I know what you're saying about the value, Just, but the counter-argument to that is Arteta doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, that is the alternative to that. Because he had a chance last season to play Eddie when none of our forwards are firing to boost his value up and sell him on. He didn't do it. He didn't bring Eddie in until it was far too late. And at that point, we couldn't sell him even if we wanted him to. He did the same thing with Ainsley Maitland-Nars. When the league season was basically done, we were absolute dog shit. But still, he wouldn't play him which would have given, put him in a shop window. I just don't think Arteta cares about that. He was happy enough to convince the club to pay off people like Mustafi and, and, and Aubameyang, and I understand that they're not easy players to sell, but Chelsea did buy Aubameyang. Now, I'm not saying they would have bought him off of us, but I think if you'd have tried to sell Aubameyang when he was playing for us, we might have got something for him. I just don't know that Arteta cares. Well, uh, I mean, you know, and again, I mean, we're we're all speculating here, right? I mean, I don't know what what Mikel and any do are talking about and stuff like that, but I'll just say a couple counterpoints. I mean, I think the world Smith Rowe is in is a, just a completely different level to Maitland Niles and and Kedia. I think um, as far as potential potential value, um, why didn't we cash in on him when Villa were interested? What they I think they went up to thirty thirty five million. Well, same reason we didn't cash in on on uh, Maitland Niles when Wolves were interested in. Do you know what I mean? Like this is what yeah. I'm saying to you. I just don't think that Arteta cares. I mean, and maybe not. You know, this is just something that uh, I just I don't I don't feel like that door is closed for him yet. But you know, I mean, we'll have to see. We'll have to see, right? I mean, like yeah. I said, I mean, I'm not going mean, to act I- like I have. No, I know. I know. My, my thought on it is my thought on it is this, and Pash, you can jump in on this after. I think I'm saying Arteta doesn't care about a player's value, and I really don't think he does. I don't think he, he gives two shits. But I think where he may care is if they say, okay, well, we can get 35 million out of Aston Villa for Smith Rowe. And if we do that, we're then going to be able to put that towards McAllister, or we're going to be able to put that towards Mark Gway from Crystal Palace, who you want as your cover right center back whatever i think then he cares pass yeah it's very possible it's very possible um i i don't know wouldn't wouldn't edu have a say in all of this as well because i'm sure he's he's more going to be on the finances right on what what's more beneficial for the club in terms of a sale point and a purchase point but absolutely i don't think arteta's going to be too too invested in that side of it but it's a good perspective that you bring, Justin, because it, it it could work that way. It could absolutely work that way in that they give him another season because they think, you know what, most of the season you've been injured. 
you haven't had a chance to perform. We've got uh, Champions League coming up. You're of a high calibre. Let's see how this season goes with you, not with that injury that you've had from before. It's very possible. It's very possible. I would think I would think he would still command a pretty good price, though. I know because um, Aston Villa came in for thirty-five million for him, even before he had that excellent season for us, which was last season. They did it in the summer of that season. So I I have a feeling I, I I feel that he's worth he would be worth more than thirty five. I think he'd be over forty. Yes, he hasn't played that much season, but he has got pedigree to his name, and he's young and he's English, and there's always attacks when it comes to English players specifically. He's also performed for the under twenty ones, um, but um, but it is very possible he could stay another year. Um, it's just it, it's hard to it's hard to really put your your finger on what they're going to do. But I think, as as we were alluding to with Gav, if he doesn't play these next two games, it does does kind of indicate that um, it, it does give you an impression that he's not going to be around when the next season starts. Well, he's in a slightly different tier to some of the guys too, I think, because I mean, if you look at it this way, right? If you look at let's say Rob Holding, Kieran Tierney, Moel Nenny, um, probably Reese as well. Eddie and Ketia, those are players that next year I don't think help us, right? I think if someone's injured and they come in, I do not think that helps us. I think that is such a downgrade that I, I don't think there's any point in keeping them around, right? And that's why I think those players are going to be gone because I do not think in a Champions League game you want to be playing any of those players at any cost. I do think Smith Rowe is a level above that. I don't. Mm. I know that Arteta seems to have his issues with him and whatever, but I do think in a Champions League game, if let's say Martinelli is out, I don't think that there's that level of concern of starting Smith Rowe. Just yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think uh, you know we've seen him play two or three times now. I think since coming back from injury, and he he's been a little slow to start, but he was out you know months, several months. Um, I think a, like a full preseason under his belt, you know. I mean, football fans famously have short memories, but he was one of our best players last year. You know what I mean? And I'm sure he can get up to that level again, especially with having his <clears throat> his uh, injury problem fixed. So, yeah, I agree. I think I think he could be a really good asset. What I'm worried about is I think there's something off the pitch that Mikel doesn't like about him. Yeah, I think that could be the case. And a player that Arteta does like, and I think a discussion needs to be had around. And I'm not saying that he's going to be sold because 100% he will not be sold this summer. But next year, he's going to be a very, very, very big year for Fabio Vieira. Very <laughs> big. Because, again, Judge, you're higher on him than me and Passar. But I honestly, at this point, and I'm more than welcome to have custard pies thrown in my face if I'm wrong about this, I don't think he's going to work for us. I have seen nothing in Fabio Vieira that says he's capable of playing at this level. Um Past, do you think that next year is a big year? And do you think Arteta has found it very easy to bin off players that aren't his, right? He's, he's, he's binned off players like Aubameyang and Mustafi. They weren't his problem. Do you think he basically will do it with Fabio Vieira, a player that he obviously likes, but if he performs next year like he has this year, there's no real excuse for keeping him around? He he obviously has a bit more patience for ones that he buys, but then there is a part in him which um um where he will 
he <clears throat> he won't be um afraid to take them out of the firing line if they're not performing. Um, so you, it's no coincidence Fabio Vieira hasn't come on in a game since his appalling performance. I, I can't even remember the team. What what which game was it that he was it the sporting the last... game he played in front of Odegaard and was absolutely uh, diabolical? Has he played yeah, since sporting? I think yeah, I, I think, think that I think that was the last yeah. game, right? So he's not had any problem taking him out. Um, so I don't think, I think it's the same in, in selling. I mean, Lukonga was, was under Arteta. He's now on loan and probably won't ever play again. Um, uh, Tavares, another one. Um, I so they're, they're I, different signings though, Pass, because yeah. those, those were speculative signings that we signed as, as young. So I know, I know Sambi's not particularly young, but they were signings that were speculation signings. They were, they were kind of, they were kind of no worry signings. If it goes wrong, it mm. goes wrong, whatever. And he binned them off. Fabio isn't Vera kind of like that? I think Vera's kind of like that. He's young it as was well. 40 oh, million he? quid. It was yeah. 40 million pounds. But it, it, there is no way that that's a throwaway signing. He was 40 it, million pounds. It came out of nowhere. To me, it it, it screamed, this is a, a high potential youngster in its opportunity. That's, yeah. that's how I always looked at it. I don't know. The price, yeah. to, the price to me says that that's... But, I mean, but is, that, Gav, is that Arteta's biggest signing? Or is, no, Ben White, right? He's He was like 14 million more than Sambi. You know, so he was he was forty two million, right? Uh, thirty five. No, I think he was forty two, wasn't he? Wasn't it forty two million? Uh, Whatever I'll, it was, it was it, it was a lot of money. What that we pay for him? I don't think that that is money that you pay for someone who might turn out to be good. But I mean, in today's market, though, it, it's you know, what were you paying for someone who will be good? You know, what was James Madison being quoted for? What were players that? that you have a feeling are going to be, they're just astronomical. So someone that's a punt kind of now is between 25 and 40 anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it, 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 I, I do feel that that was a little bit of a punt uh, on, on Vieira. Um, they, so, they, they, so just to interrupt quick pass, I'm seeing it was 35 million with 5 million as add-ons. That's, right. Yeah. Do we know what the add-ons were? No, they never released no. them things today. So, I mean, it could be appearances. It could be getting back. I mean, I'm guessing there's probably a million for getting back in the Champions League. It'd probably be a million for this and that. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's probably going to end up somewhere in the middle, right? So split the difference at 37 and a half. Yeah. Well, Morgan Gibbs-White, right, was 25 million with another potential 70 million in add-ons. And that's Morgan Gibbs-White. Okay, he's been he's been pretty good for Forrest. But when they bought him, again, it's kind of... I feel that price point are punts nowadays, or they're, they're hoping that they're going to produce, they're going to unearth a gem. I agree, um, Pass. Yeah, you know, and and I I I don't know, Vieira. I don't think he would have difficulties releasing him if he needed to, and he just wasn't up to the scratch. I I, I feel he would do that uh, with Vieira. I don't think he was a signature signing of Arteta. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one to see how that one works out because, like I said, I mean, I haven't I haven't seen anything from him that says he's capable of playing at, at this level at all. And I know, Judge, you're a little bit higher on him than that, but I don't know. I mean, what what do you think that he's going to come good next season? You know what what I worry about, and I I, I hate to just trot out the obvious here, but I do worry about his like physical build and whether he's. You know, he, he seems, uh, you know, we all know he's slight. I mean, you can just look at him. He's slight. But uh, I think what I've noticed in, with him playing is that he, he almost just feels, uh, you know, like he's slower than everybody else. You know, e even like, you know, 
mentally he just looks kind of behind so i don't know i mean he he's young i think um you know he only had about a uh, half a year six months in the sporting senior team so he's only got about a you know he doesn't have that many senior minutes yet but i do worry a little bit if he's if he's too slight to to really in 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 a little too slow to hang with the pace of the premier league i think if he can adapt mm-hmm. he might do okay but you know i i do have some question marks about that so if we say that i think we all agree right that the biggest signing of the summer is going to be that central midfield player right i think we're the parte mm-hmm. replacement are we are we all in agreement that's going to be the biggest one mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think comes next for me? And I didn't think I would say this uh, a few months ago, but I think for me, the center forward might actually be the second priority. It's very possible, but it could also be um, the right winger as well. Cause I know he was after Rafinha last season. And then that I, I he has got Trossard to be fair, but um, you probably say Trossard is, wouldn't you say Trossard is more Martinelli? Um, I, I would, but I don't see that with Saka being the incumbent who is going to play 55 games next season. I don't see how you're possibly spending that sort of money on a right winger. That's why I but, think it might be the forward and the repurposing of someone like Jesus. Jesus I mean, yeah. When he yeah. That's a good point. Even though Jesus didn't like, wasn't too keen on the wing. <laughs> I think that was one of the reasons why we bought him as a number nine. He wasn't really too keen playing there, but, but yeah, that, that, that is very possible. That's true. I, I also think, um, uh, left back as well um, will be um, quite an interesting one. What, what do watch. you think, just with your uh, with, what are the what? How would you rank them? I think uh, the six and the left eight are going to be the two big ones. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see. I think. I think striker could be, but mm-hmm. I think it'll be another opportunity buy. Like if they can snatch somebody, they'll spend big money on it. But I think right now the club's probably looking at the six and the left eight as their two big money buys. It's funny because, you know, I said at the start of all this that, I, that I'd said that I felt like uh, Jesus was going to be similar to Giroud in that he was going to be good for us. But every year we try and look to upgrade him. And this is exactly exactly what happened with Giroud. Right. I mean, <laughs> we chased players. We chased Benzema. We chased Suarez. We chased Vardy. We chased players every summer and ended up just getting someone else, usually another number 10. Um, but I feel like we could be here again with Jesus where we're trying to get that upgrade. We can't do it. So we just end up buying somewhere else, Pat. Yeah, very possible. Very possible. Um, uh, what about um, uh, uh, Mason Mount? I know there's been quite a lot of talk about that because I think we would get him at a more cut price, right? Because I think he's an e- got yeah, a contractual I issue. I think he'd be fine. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't be excited about him. No, I, I wouldn't. Would... I think he would be fine as the, as that left eight, but he's another one I would see like like Jesus really. He'd come in and he'd, he'd he, I think he'd be good for us, but I think you'd mm. always be going. Oh, we do better there. Just... Yeah, yeah, I agree. He's looking like um, he's going to be a top target for Liverpool too. Um, mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard that because obviously they're not going to get Bellingham. Um, the only well, other one that I that I wanted to mention, Pass, because you didn't get to. Uh, you didn't get to dance up and down and celebrate when I mentioned his name last week because you weren't here. Um, I do think that in the centre forward position, if we can't get someone really top, 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 top notch to come in and start immediately, I do think Ivan Tony is definitely someone we should be looking at. Yeah, I'd love Ivan Tony. I've always been a big fan of him, but I guess we have to see how his betting thing goes or yep. what happens there. What, uh... you want to see if he puts a fiver on it? <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. maybe that but i but i i think he'd be great alternative to jesus because he can he puts it about he's he can score um takes penalties um and um yeah i'd i'd I like Ivan Tony. I've always been pretty. He's he's definitely an upgrade on Calvert Lewin. Let me put it that way. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that's, that's um, true. All right. Well, listen, guys, we ain't got much time, so let's just let's just fire a quick one off now. Um, if you could only pick one player to come in this summer, the one big one, uh, who's it going to be? Pass one name. I'm torn between two, but I'll I'll say Rice. Justin. Same Rice. Yeah, same for me. Clean, clean sweep there. I, I would not be disappointed if it was Caicedo. Me but, neither. But, um, but yeah, my my number one choice would definitely be Rice, without a shadow of a doubt. So. It's too bad we're we're running out of time because I I there was I want you do you just think real quick there's any chance we may go back in for Vlavic? Uh, I think it could be an option. Yeah, because he's million. not he's not working out great at Juve. So no, no, I do think that could be an option. Maybe we'll touch on that uh, later in the week because we have run out of time. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you very much for tonight. And um, we will see you guys next week when we try and get worked up for uh, a trip to forest. So <laughs> yes. we will uh, see you all later on. Good night. Great. Cheers. Good night. Good night.